came here from Kentucky and they came here from Virginia, they came here from Tennessee. And they settled in the bottoms on the banks of the Missouri, the Indians and animals and trees. But the living wasn't easy, the food was tough and greasy, but the living was free. They were the pioneers, they came from far and they lived off the fat of the land, and they lived by the skill of their hands, and they worked on their dreams. Nathan Boone and his brother came with their aging father, they hunted and they trapped the game. They made their home beside the river and wandered up and down her, gave the land a part of their faith. It was a land of salt and honey where you didn't need much money, but you had to be brave. They were the pioneers, they came from And the law 
house of the town and their homes was the price that they paid. With the fall of Franklin came the rise of Boonville. Fortunes they were lost and made. She was a boomtown city on the bluffs above the river, queen of the steamboat trade. Then the bloody war of brothers came in after she was never the same She knew the pioneers, she knew their hopes and their fears Now she lives in the glow of the past And though she tries to make the memories last, they are fading
And you want me to talk? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm Red Hartman. This is 895 KOPN Columbia, Farm and Fiddle. And the guy who put me on the spot is Josh Stevens. Hi, Red. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are, we are actually in the studio. Wow. Yeah. It's... After months and months of pre-recorded stuff. It seems familiar. Yeah, yeah. But it, a little different. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you, uh, Josh has this uh, wrangled me in here um, and uh, came up with a great uh, show idea. So, uh, I don't know. What else do you want me to say? I can uh, well, ban- it's, ramble on. Well, it's uh, Veterans Day, as I'm sure That's you know. That's right. And today I went to the uh, CCUA, Columbia Center for Urban Agriculture, right. the Mark and Carol Stevenson's urban garden right and they gave free lunch to veterans and uh i was gonna come in and just uh wax and wane philosophically about nature because (laughs) in in the studio tonight in the studio because we kind of had a you know we've been pre-recording and we kind of had some some technical difficulties and that wasn't going to be able to happen and and you know after going to that luncheon today and listening to veterans i realized this is what we can do and so it's kind of a well, last for the minute. show for the for show. the show yeah. yeah and so we're gonna have uh, a veteran from uh, from the area he lives in Columbia Doug Bannister he's gonna call in in just a little bit and share some of his his experiences with us and uh, and of course Rhett is a veteran yeah true true thank you for your service <laughs> Rhett and uh, and yeah we'll finish out the show all right uh, before we do that. I would like to just read a little news, as we are accustomed to doing at Mm -hmm. the beginning of the shows. The Missouri Rural Crisis Center recently sent out an alert. looks like I got it today, actually, in my email. And I'm just going to read it to you because they did pretty good wordsmithing. Yeah. So it begins. Stop the Missouri Department of Natural Resources from changing the regulations to help factory farms build in our communities it goes on dnr is holding a public meeting on thursday november 19th that's next week at 10 a.m to discuss adding a rule that would make it easier for CAFOs to pollute our ground and surface water with no accountability the missouri department of natural resources is in charge of limiting water pollution in our state and now they are attempting to make their rules even more unaccountable than they already are at the behest of factory farm corporations and their lobbyists. Mm-hmm. How? They're proposing exempting perched water from the definition of groundwater table. Perched water perched, or temporary water bodies that commonly form between surface water and more permanent groundwater. This is the water that cracks foundations and basement walls over time. Perched water causes problems for the deep pit manure storage structures used by CAFOs and could cause significant pollution to the groundwater or surface water as this water flows to its final destination. Corporate agriculture interests are trying to remove this perched water from DNR oversight and allow CAFO corporations to pollute our groundwater. And I'll just... Read that last little part again. Our groundwater. Okay, why now? This is being done in response to the the United Hog Systems CAFO application in Livingston County, where this issue is a matter of great concern. The hogs in this 10,000-plus sow operation will be owned by JBS, 
a international Brazilian-based corporation and the biggest meat packer in the world. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine the power that JBS has to influence at the state capitol house. Right. So we really need citizens to rise up and show our power and show that we we care about our land. Um, I'm not going to read any more, but this email does go on and... They do have some action items. It says, please write or email the Missouri Department of Natural Resources stating why you oppose removing perched water tables from the definition of groundwater. And please do it today, as the meeting to discuss this is coming up quickly next Thursday. Hmm. And it also says, please join us for DNR's online public meeting on Thursday, November 19th at 10 a.m. So, there's a lot here. I would encourage anybody that's interested in getting involved to contact the Missouri Rural Crisis Center, and they will be more than happy to assist you in who to contact, how to contact them, when to contact them, or any other ways that you can help to stop this international, out-of-country corporation. Right from defining how we here in Missouri use our land and care for it. Yeah, their their website is morural.org. Uh, their phone number is 573-449-1336. It's 573-449-1336. And uh, yes, they would love to hear from you. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. So many things happen and it's, you know, we're not in Jeff City, so they they can take the time to sift through all this stuff. Yeah. And you know, if any of our listeners have personal connections or, you know, people with personal connections, um, you know, honestly, that's how the world works. And so those personal connections can make a great deal of influence. Yeah. Uh, when, when trying to, to influence. Yeah. So contacting your, your, uh, representatives in Jeff city is important. Okay, I just sent a message asking our guest, Doug Bannister, to call in. Okay. Do you have anything to, to add while we wait? Well, uh, that I want to hear a little more about that lunch you were at, if you have a moment. Oh, looks like Doug, oh, boop, Doug he's is on the very roll. responsive. <laughs> Hello, Doug, are you there? I am here. Thank you. you. Yeah, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Welcome. Well, thank you. Thanks for the invitation. Good to be here. I appreciate um, what you bring, the awareness of um, the citizens about the quality of our lives. It's very important that we be awake to that kind of thing. Yeah, thank you. So um, I'm wondering, Doug, if you can just uh, share us a little bit about your experience with the military and then maybe tell us a little bit about um, post-military life um, and how you feel as a veteran in this community and then resources available that you've uh, been able to take advantage of. And we've got about 10 or 15 minutes, so I don't want to rush you, but we, we don't have too much time. 
<laughs> Maybe well, 16 minutes. <laughs> Brett, how are you? Hey, good. I'm good. Good uh, to Brett, hear you. Yeah, well, it's good to join you guys, I believe, in your cause. And thanks to Margot for all of her dedication yes. time to keep these um, th- these things in front of us. Yeah, It does take our involvement, and we, we do want to be involved. And I, I find in my life I'm becoming more involved with uh, nature, with quality of life, all the time. So history, um, I went to school at Penn State University, Pennsylvania, a sleepy little college town where I was not an activist, although I was a political science major. Um, I guess my my real passion in those days was um, more about religious studies because I took every imperative or <laughs> religious studies course I could, and that was actually my minor. Um uh, and I graduated in 68 and went back to Erie, Pennsylvania, my hometown, and worked two jobs. Um, student deferments were done then. In other words, uh, there was no longer the protection mm-hmm. of the 2S status um, for men for the draft. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had thoughts of going to law school, but there's no sense enrolling in something like that. And besides, after four years of pretty much sitting on my butt, part of a big organization, being told this and that, meaning the college life. Yeah. I was uh, more anxious in expressing myself and engaging in two or three years more education. And then the draft uh, quit, and uh, a lot of us in this age category knew that what was coming next. And within a few weeks, I got my draft notice, and I was to report to... Uh, Buffalo, New York, for my physical, uh, and I did, and somewhere along the line, it occurred to me to go see the Army recruiter and make a deal. <laughs> Interestingly enough, uh, Josh invited me to go on over to the Veterans Urban Garden Center. Is that the name of it, Josh, officially? Uh, Something like that. Yeah, I'll, I'll find out. Yeah, the, the former urban place uh, in, in town here, uh, north of Broadway, and just off Range Line, uh, has now moved over to the Ark, and it'll have that wonderful expanded facility over there. Yeah. And they incorporated that former plot, or existing plot. Oh, the CCUA plot at Smith & Fay. Say that again. The, the CCU, uh, Columbia Center for Urban Agriculture's original farm at Smith & Fay. Yes, it was their original. Right. And um, they've done a great job, such awareness they've brought to the community. Now we've got, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know many farmers markets, but I know the one we have here is just wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of participation, not only from the vendors, but, geez, uh, the public has really, really supported that mm-hmm. that effort there. And with good reason. I mean, it's it's a focus on health and vitality and good food, and uh, um, and it's not monoculture, it's not fertilizers, it's uh, yeah. just just healthy. So uh, I made a deal with the U.S. government to spend one extra year. This kind of gives you the state uh-huh. of my mind. In order for me to go to OCS, Officers Candidate School, and to go to be a paratrooper, you know, uh-huh. this uh, macho jump school oh yeah um and so you get to wear spit shine boots and you get this <laughs> little cap and you badge on your on your um your little hat 
of a glider. That's what the start of that was. Uh, World War II guys would uh, be in in gliders, uh. s- s- silently crashing into trees as it turns. <laughs> Um, but, but it has, you know, there's a lot of glory uh, built into our culture about military and how noble warfare is. Yeah. Um, it took me um, to through graduate. I graduated from OCS. I was a second lieutenant. My first duty station was Fort Leonard Wood here in Missouri. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know where Missouri was, to be honest <laughs> with you. Uh, and I thought, I knew it was south of Pennsylvania, so maybe it'd be warm there. <laughs> As it turns out, um, is it the 2nd Division, uh, which uh, had did stellar service in Korea? It was called Little Korea. Um, and Korea, is, as we might know, is pretty darn cold in the wintertime, and so was, so was Fort Leonard Wood. Wow. But I had an, an epiphany there while there, and... So my idea of the glory of military life, that bubble was burst. When, <laughs> nonetheless, I went to Vietnam and uh, spent the year and came back. And I got a mil- I got an honorable discharge. I don't, I don't know quite how that happened. It, <laughs> it could have been a lot worse. Um, but, but I've been blessed in my life in several ways, and that was certainly one of them. So I came back, and I... Um, so now I've got four years in a big institution and another three in a big institution. Yeah, yeah. And I'm ready to really express myself. And against all advice, I started a concrete company, small flat work company. I did masonry work too, and um, came through that all right. And it's been a lifetime of learning. And uh, then I. Um, Established companies that turned out well. I learned how to visualize. I met a spiritual teacher in Oklahoma City. I learned about uh, more about Eastern Hindu influence, and my my uh, my mind was broadened and expanded with that kind of thinking. And well, I really came into a greater awareness of myself as more than a physical body, doing concrete work and making a dollar. Mm-hmm. Um, in a series of events, I land in Oklahoma. Within two weeks of coming to a small town in Oklahoma, I learned of a spiritual teacher in Oklahoma City. I'm an hour and a half drive, and I, so I go visit him, listen to a public lecture he does, and I fall in love with the words, even though they were kind of mangled uh, South Oklahoma uh, boot hill, hillbilly kind of language. He was a, a master, a, a true master, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was introduced uh, 20 years later after he passed to the School of Metaphysics. It was a branch, a campus there in Oklahoma City, and I, I joined that school. I learned more about metaphysics and how the mind works, and um, I stayed with that. I'm in my, I don't know, 15th or 16th year of being involved with the School of Metaphysics. This has done me a world of good. I think it's on everybody who's walked through the door, some good, you know, depending on how they received it and how they applied it. I like it because it's experiential. For those who stay long enough, they begin to apply these metaphysical principles, which are nothing more than, well, I don't want to say nothing more. They're universal principles, meaning that these metaphysical principles or universal principles apply to everybody all around the planet based on paying attention to where our thoughts are. 
um, because we create with our thoughts, and where our attention is, our reality is soon to follow. Our, you know, the world kind of listens and brings us, sets in motion things to allow what we think about to come about. Um, so I can connect all of that to the present moment with waking up to the fact that I need to be in the land. My hands need to be in the dirt. And uh, now, we're, now we're calling that soil. It seems that people who are also involved in this um, call what I used to call dirt soil because it's an elevated status. And people are waking up to the fact that the quality of our soil dictates what we can do, what we can grow. And, and that is largely grass and plants. And each plant is a solar collector. Each blade, blade of grass is a solar collector. And I discovered somehow Greg Judy, who just lives uh, north of us here in, near Clark, uh, Missouri. And uh, the guy is quite remarkable in that he practices what's now called regenerative agriculture, in his case, regenerative ranching. Because largely he grows grass in order to raise healthy cows. Um, and there's been a breed developed over time. Uh, Ralph Voss and others here in Missouri also have these red cows called South Pole on their land. Um, and they get fat on grass. They don't need vaccinations. They don't need um, uh, grain. They are happy and thrive on grass in our hot, humid summers and our occasionally frigid winters. Um, and so I, I really attuned myself to, um, to understand, to, to, to desire, to endeavor to understand more about nature. And uh, even, even in Pennsylvania, uh, I love being on the water and I love fishing. Not so much about catching fish, but being in nature. And um, I grew up Presbyterian. I attended uh, religiously, no pun, but, uh, uh, Sunday school and, all, and everything that came with that. It came, it came to the realization that nature is, is my religion, is my God, so to speak, and to honor, give reverence to all life. Um, in the school of metaphysics, I played the part of Albert Schweitzer in, a, in a, a production called The Invitation. Where I got to know what Albert Schweitzer was about, and his mantra, his motto was reverence for all life. And regenerative agriculture is all about that. It's um, not fighting anything. It's not competing. It's not commanding. It's not dictating what the land is. It's cooperation and harmony. And harmony and balance and peace have become really my uh, my mantra. Um, and that's why I teach in the School of Metaphysics. That's why I'm involved in regenerative agriculture. That's why I love what you guys do in uh, bringing attention to the, the natural way of things. Um, and so attending this luncheon, I guess, for Veterans Day was a real honor for me. And Josh and I sat. With, uh, at a table with our lunches, and there's a fellow in town. You may know him as the fellow who blows large bubbles. He doesn't blow them. He makes them. He kind of has two wands, and he dips them in soapy water, and out they come, and there are these glorious, remarkable bubbles. And he, 
I asked him questions about his his craft, his his hobby, and uh, the guy talked about humidity, wind, um, the type of uh, soap he uses, and what he uses in his wands. And uh, he's a remarkable character. And we we were joined by another fellow who had military service, and there were several of us. And of the five of us, three were 74 years old, (laughs) me being one of them. And I thought that was pretty remarkable. And um, it was just a very wholesome discussion, uh, each taking uh, time to explain um, his military experience briefly and his his, uh, experiences of that time in their lives. And... um, and it seemed to me, Josh, I think, chime in here. It seemed to me that we adjusted and reconciled and came away from that experience pretty whole and healthy uh, in spite of it all. Totally agree, Doug. It was such yeah. a great moment to share. Okay. I want to add one more thing, if I might, if I have a few seconds. Yeah, and I would also like you to uh, just uh, maybe put a plug in for the VA or, you know, tell us uh, how you like the VA here in Columbia, but I would like I you to finish your thought first, please. Well, the, the, the one thought, and then I'll get to Truman, that wonderful facility we have here in Columbia. It's truly, truly remarkable. Um, and that is that a friend of mine texted me. He, he was a customer in my store. I had a concrete business uh, in Oklahoma city. And we, our specialty was decorative concrete and, we uh, both did the work for a while, and then at a point we focused on the store and the training that we provided contractors so they could improve the quality of their lives. And uh, this this guy was my customer that texted me today, and he he um, he thanked me for my service. And you know sometimes that's a platitude; it's a it's kind of done out of. Um, well, almost habitual anymore that you meet a vet and you say, I appreciate your service. And uh, a couple of the guys, and me included, have a little bit of discomfort with that because um, we kind of did it. Um, and, uh, and we weren't necessarily proud of doing it. And for me, I was, that was my, yeah, I didn't really want to be there. I didn't have a cause. I didn't want to kill anybody. I didn't want my people to get killed. I was a platoon leader by, by trade. I mean, I was, I was trained to be a platoon leader in charge of 31 guys, maybe 30 guys. And, uh, I put myself in a position uh, where I wouldn't kill people or cause people to be killed, and that caused a bit of concern for me. But this guy was a warp. I was telling Josh on a way drive away from there that this guy was an enlisted man, came out of high school. He was an athletic fellow, gung ho fellow, full of full of um, I guess macho. And uh LERP is stands for long range reconnaissance patrol. And uh he saw a lot, did a lot, still carrying shrapnel on his body, and yet he's very awake. He makes no excuses. He understood he was a young guy under the influence of, of pleasing others, of conditioning, um, the training and all of that. And he's a healthy individual, mentally healthy individual. His body's starting to catch up with him because of the wounds he incurred and suffered. But he's not bitter. Um, so I wanted, to, I wanted to say to that for everybody that's listening, 
Many, many vets of uh, any war are damaged in some way or another, um, trauma for sure. And uh, some can respond to that and almost like in stride. I'm not saying that the, my, my friend didn't stride. He did a lot of work with himself so that he's not bitter. He's, um, he's awake, but he's not bitter about his experience. Um, and then to credit um, the, the Harry Truman VA Center here in Columbia, it's a remarkable facility. I mean, it's not just my experience with them that, that causes me to sing their praises. It's a, it's a national, uh, highly regarded hospital. Um, even amongst any hospital, much less a VA hospital. The reputation for VA hospitals has been over the decades, this is not to be the best of care. Well, we blow that out of the water. That's, a, that's, a, that's not true. It's quality, quality care uh, here right in Columbia. And I'm very fortunate to be a vet who just kind of happened to choose Columbia to call my home. Yeah. And I tell just one short story while I was in a waiting room filled with vets. Uh, a doctor accompanied the vet out of um, the um, examination rooms, and uh, the family began to just thank very graciously the doctor who had walked uh, the veteran out to rejoin them. And, and this the doc, female doctor, and she said, well, you know, we do the best we can. None of us are getting out of here alive. So we help each other. And, and that, that statement pretty much typifies or embodies the spirit there at the hospital. Um, in some hospitals, doctors pretend they're gods and, um, and they're holier. You know, they just, they just have that attitude that they know everything and none of, nobody else does. And that, that attitude was so refreshing and that experience was so moving to me. Yeah. And I wanted to pass that on, too. We have a real treasure here. And everybody that works there seems to be um, very conscious human being. Thank you. Thank you very much, Doug. You shared a lot in a short time. Yes, thanks. <laughs> Did you I appreciate, wanna... I appreciate KOPN and what, what uh, it stands for. Yeah, and I, I forgot to mention that you have a show that aired yesterday. It's once a month here on KOPN. Um, yeah, it's called The Mind, It's Your Business. And yeah. so it's uh, sharing uh, principles of mental health, mental, emotional well-being, and uh, some tips as best we can bring them to people and what they might employ uh, in their own daily lives to help understand some of these trying times where everything's so polarized. You're almost expected to take a side and... Uh, how do we deal with that? Mm-hmm. Things are accelerated. Thank you. Thank you very much, Doug. Thank and you, guys. Yes, thank you. All right, we're going to take a short musical break and let Doug go, and then we'll uh, we'll come back with some more for you. All right, see you in a bit.
Okay, and we're back. Hey, and we're back. It looks like I forgot to turn our mics off what? for that musical break. Oh, my gosh. Well, <laughs> I hope Live radio. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that candor, <laughs> candid discussion. Candid, that, yeah, banter. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was... he. he uh, Doug talked about a lot of stuff. He went through his, like, you know, that's a lot of lo- lot of living. Yeah. That he's done. And I really appreciated his story. And, and you know, something that I I come away, you know, you know, vet, a lot of veterans are struggling. It, it's no surprise. Um, it's no mystery. Uh, a lot of veterans are struggling. They have a hard time reintegrating back into our culture sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're carrying a lot of trauma and grief and, and uh, feelings that it's difficult to share with people that didn't have those experiences. And, and so it's not yeah. uncommon for people to say, oh, yeah, my grandpa, he never talked about the war. Never. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's a major experience in somebody's life. And so... You know, talking is often a good way for healing, and we have a lot of a lot of availability to to help the veterans now in our yeah. culture. But we can always do more. Yeah, yeah. And something that I got from Doug's is he kind of took self responsibility, and he talked about um, how the metaphysics helped him come into awareness of mind. And PTSD, post traumatic stress disorder, is is very common. Uh, among veterans um and basically from what i understand about ptsd is your body is kind of in fear it's in fight or flight a lot and it can get triggered by things you know maybe a loud noise that resembles a gun or a bomb Mm -hmm. um but it can also just be stimulated all the time and you know for treating ptsd one of the one of the uh there's there's a lot of different treatments but awareness of mind is what a lot of the programs that I've looked at are really aiming at um, to, to bring awareness back into your mind that you are being triggered so often because many times we're unaware. And so I feel like Doug has done a really good job in his life of, of coming to terms with uh, his mind and how to how to work with that so that he can still have a healthy life yeah yeah and so i looked up the name and it's the mark and carol stevenson veterans urban farm okay it's at 1209 smith street right off of college avenue down by the business loop and um i think earlier this year or no it was late last year about a year ago i think in november is when they cut the ribbon to make it the the veterans urban farm and veterans who are um, going to the va it's a partnership with the va and the columbia center for urban agriculture and so the the va is identifying veterans who will benefit from the therapy of gardening and they're using this garden as a therapy tool for wow. healing. Wow. <laughs> yeah, getting back to that idea of the mindfulness or, you know, calming down the triggers and stuff. That's that sounds like a great great tool. You can't get in a hospital per se, but a good partnership. Yeah. 
Yeah, I remember seeing a study that transcendental meditation uh, was proven effective. Mm-hmm. You know, they scientifically monitored people as they did transcendental meditation. And it was the Department of Defense that did a lot of that research um, to help veterans. And they, they do a lot of research into healing PTSD and uh, the transcendental meditation is one. And so I tried it out for a little while and um, it's a little it's a little hard for me, but I stuck to it and was disciplined and I don't do it today, but in the time when I was doing it, it did help. I couldn't believe it. Mm. Something so simple and wow. strange was able to uh, help get me out of my mind and, yeah. and enjoy life a little more. Well, you know, you were talking about the transition from being in the military to back to the, you know, civilian world. Uh, that's part of the noticing the mind i think because it's two different worlds you know and uh you've you've become acclimated it took you so long to get acclimated to the military world and now you're supposed to just go back to a world that has different norms and different rules and uh it's not always an easy transition but um but yeah i think that what you're saying mindfulness plays a part in that there's it the military prepares you for leaving the military but mostly in a administrative way they don't really dive into what you're experiencing or what you might feel and and it's quick it's like you know two or three weeks of preparation for you to leave something that you were in for a minimum of four years um that's not enough time for anything to transition and so you spend what i heard was I think I got it from the movie Jarhead. Or no, the book. The guy who wrote it, Swafford was his name. He wrote the book Jarhead. But it was uh, his own, talking about his own transition back to the civilian world. And he said it took about half the time that he was in the military to transition back to the civilian world in somewhat of a normal way. So if you're in for four years, it takes two years before you begin to feel normal. if, If everything's going well. (laughs) <laughs> sure. And that yeah. may seem like a long time, but, you know, that's, that is probably the normal time for, you know, your, your, not just your conscious brain, but all the other things going on that you don't notice to, to, to get back in to a new rhythm. And, uh, yeah, in the meantime, it can be really weird. So having other veterans to talk to would be nice, but just having good support systems in any ways is, is important sure yeah one thing i came away with this luncheon today is that when veterans get together they tell stories that they don't tell to non-vets right and as a shared experience that you can assume they understand yeah and and so you know i'm wondering like how can i facilitate getting veterans together and just getting them to talk getting them to share their stories so they don't have to hold it in and you know we have veterans all over our community we have veterans all over the world um you know we have quite a few just right here volunteering at kopn but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know columbia is full of them yeah and so the opportunity for us to to really um tackle this situation which you know it's not like a, a a one a one strike and 
it's all good right you know this is a never-ending thing and so yeah i think you know how can we how can we help these people who might be afraid to to come out and say that they're they need help Mm -hmm. i don't know that's a great question but I, i would imagine that the va has something like that going yeah. But it's not, um, it's not some. It's not like you get your physical and you get a blood test and they tell you your triglycerides. You know, every year like that they're gonna do. But they don't. And I think when it, whenever I do my checkups at the VA, they ask me the like basic questions of like, you know, do you have any pain, just anywhere? <laughs> it's a completely general question, right? But you're supposed to say yes or no or whatever. And then. Um, They'll ask things like, you know, are you homeless? And they'll ask things like uh, thoughts of suicide, things like that. And uh, so they're the big questions. But it's just administratively just taking it down, you know, in a, in a, in a common context. It's not like they're trying to uh, make you feel comfortable, have a cup of tea, and then ask you these questions. It's just performative almost. But they obviously are doing it because they want to catch people who maybe are falling through the cracks. Sure. But it's not the same when you maybe, yeah, it just is not the same when you're trying to negotiate those delicate parts of, you know, emotional issues as opposed to physical issues. So I don't know how they could uh, get more buy-in from people. It probably would need to start when you're in the military as you're doing the transition. Start the expectation of when I get into the civilian world, I'm going to get connected to a group or something um i don't know yeah that's that's above my pay grade as they would say Mm -hmm. in the military (laughs) well there's so many ways to get help but i think it comes down to ultimately personal responsibility and you know i'm i'm inspired to make a list of all the veterans in my life and to start dialogue with them and just reach out Mm -hmm. and say hey how's it going and you know take it from there yeah the one one trick and i'm no professional but because people may be dealing with stuff that's uh um difficult and and everything it may be once you've opened something up it may be hard to put it back yeah and that's where you know the social workers and stuff have have more experience in doing that but uh it's something that has happened you know for for eons in human cultures where they've had people get together and be able to to share things or have have uh, um, a, a connection like that. Um, but we, we we miss that here. We, we're kind of lost a lot of those traditions. For sure. And and I guess where I'm coming from is I I recognize that I'm not a trained professional in psychology yeah. or therapy, and so I wouldn't be provoking to like yeah going. To- hey, you need to you need to open this can of worms up more of hey how are you doing Mm -hmm. have you eaten today awesome you know or you know like how's your life going yeah you know do you want me to come by and and do anything for you or just visit and not necessarily try to open up that can of worms but to um make them more comfortable so that they feel more comfortable yeah which then may allow them to you know seek seek help out in those other places 
Yeah, uh, you know, a big symptom of PTSD is that um, people will tend to isolate themselves. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's just, that's why I'm inspired to make this list and reach out and be like, hey, you know, you don't have to be alone if that's what you're at right now. Yeah. And in the COVID isolation, it makes it even harder sometimes. For sure. To get that. Um, Before the show, Rhett, you had mentioned about the VA, and I'm wondering if you could share a little bit well i um check yeah i uh quickly had uh experiences in a couple vas um in new york in uh, kansas city and here in columbia and uh my most exciting uh trip to the va was when i started feeling a pain in my side only on one side of my belly and uh when that happened i immediately called uh the va um, and just, they had a nurse line and you, you leave a message, they call you back. They say, what's going on? And I said, I have a pain in my side. And they said, well, we don't have an appointment for you, but just go to the emergency room. And so I'm like, okay. And I go to the emergency room and they do, they poke me around. Uh, I won't get into too many details, but they would, they would bring in people who were like residents. And so after one resident poked me, then five minutes later, another resident would come in and poke me in the same places and say, does this hurt? Does this hurt? Does, <laughs> ow. And, <laughs> and by the third time I was like, listen, I'm going to show you where it hurts. You don't need to poke. In fact, give me a Sharpie. Just put a big X there. But, uh, they were, they were good. And, um, the doctor in charge had worked in private practice for like 30 years. She was phenomenal. It turned out I had appendicitis. And uh, they uh, scheduled me that evening, and boom, they, they, they used three little holes and sucked it out or whatever. And uh, then I was in recovery for, I think, only a day, and then, was, and then I kind of convalesced at home for a week. And I, was, and I had a, double, a checkup in two weeks, and I was, like, good to go. Never saw a bill. Wow. Now, my... Uh, medical condition or whatever with the VA is a 10% disability, which gives me uh, a certain amount of health care. So I'm not sure if every VA VA person would, um, or veteran who gets VA care would, would just get no bill. But still, when you think of the, all the stuff that was going on, that was tens of thousands of dollars for sure. Uh, On like a, you know, no, no warning emergency type of surgery so uh i was very um amazed afterwards that it happened so easily so cost effectively and uh and professionally um and one thing it also made me realize is how this is more bigger than a question about the va but it's just the concept that the u.s military offers allows all their veterans to have health care for life there may be a few copays here and there, but in general, you've got health insurance. So that concept that for your life, you'll have health insurance has affected my life in so many positive ways, mainly because I take it for granted. And when I see friends who less one friend of mine uh, was in a relationship, one partner left for a job and this other person couldn't leave because they didn't have a new job to go to, which meant they wouldn't have health insurance. So they had to stay apart for like six months while, while they could find the job in the new place. And I mean, nothing, all that because of healthcare. And, and that's just one simple explanation, not to talk about the people who get injured on a job, lose their job, then lose their health insurance. <laughs> so it's yeah. just crazy to think of how amazing that is for the VA. And uh, yeah, the, the Kansas City VA was pretty good. The New York VA was pretty good. But the Columbia VA is just really got all the 
all the pistons going and um they're they're very they've been i've had mental and prof- and physical help there and it's been just great so i feel very comfortable going there and uh and and pretty i feel pretty lucky for all that so yeah and it and i had a, one other quick story i have another friend who's older he's maybe 80 something he was in world war ii um he didn't know much about the va and when he was going to the hospital and needed some drugs and the doctor just said well you're a veteran you don't need to, need to pay us just go to the va and he's like what do you mean and he just sent him down to the va the va person talked to him and about 10 minutes later the guy told him he said well welcome to the va he's <laughs> like that's it and he got his medicine taken care of and it's like they don't they don't explain it all they send you big packets in the mail but it's 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 complicated to read so it's really an amazing uh service that's very easy to get into nowadays so so there's my story right on yeah well we have about three minutes two and a half minutes left two and a half uh, is there any final thoughts you'd like to share Rhett? well um i guess to wrap it all up uh one of the things i think about is not necessarily the veterans who are listening but the people who aren't veterans because we all have to interact together and some of the non-veterans will become veterans uh but the idea that that i think are uh the more we can learn about veterans experiences not in particular but just in general the fact that there's this uh exclusive environment that they live in and then they have to come back to this environment this this you know normal world uh is something that's hard to understand and i think we can understand it if we talk to relatives and friends who are are, have been in that situation but not necessarily push kind of like do what you were talking about and just offer offer support um because yeah you can't uh if someone's had some some tricky experiences that they just don't want to rehash uh, you know, they'll they'll do it when they feel right. And I think all we can do is just support people, everybody, not just veterans, but everybody. Yeah, and I just want to say, as you so well put earlier, it's not something that we should push. Right. It's not our decision to, to ask this person it, to open that can of worms up. Yeah, it's like you said, you know, ask them about the, you know, basics of, of life. You know, how are you feeling? How are you, you know, doing? Do you need anything? Or just, just offer a ear to just, you know, chat. Because yeah. that isolation is one of the worst diseases. And it just can perpetuate so many other bad things. Yeah, it's hard to heal when we, when we go by ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well, thank you very much, Rhett. Thank you. Uh, it was good talking with you and being back in the live studio. <laughs> <laughs> this is 89.5. FM KOP in Columbia and this is the end of Farm and Fiddle. Coming up next is the good sounds of jazz. And I'm just gonna read a PSA and then we'll turn it over. Alrighty. Uh this is for uh KOPN is supported in part by Hit Records, Columbia, Missouri's only independent, locally owned record store. Buying, selling, and trading every day, Hit Records is the source for all things music. Located downtown at 10 Hit Street next to Ragtag Cinema. More information can be found at hitrecords.com or by calling 573-777-WAXX. And if you're going online, I have to mention that Hit Records, it's H-I-T-T. There's two T's in the hit. 
All right. Thanks for joining us. And coming up next is The Good Sounds of Jazz. Thank you. 